بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد وعجل فرجا Session number 14 of Stages of Akhlaq I was listening to the previous session of uh, session 13 um, of Stages of Akhlaq that we had recorded in the past and in the end of that I said so next week inshallah this is what we're going to be talking about <laughs> and so and so next week, uh, yeah, I don't. I have to go back and listen. I think I don't know if I said inshallah or not. Maybe that's what it was. <laughs> um, but it's been, I think, maybe over a year now that we have not had this class. And alhamdulillah, um, the uh, the grounds were made ready again for this to be able to take place. Um, we know those of you who were coming before. Um, we usually will start on time, inshallah. This, this week I started a little bit later, just so that um, people can trickle in. But moving forward, inshallah, what we're going to do is, just like we did before, start exactly on the dot, 7.30 on Wednesdays, inshallah. So to go back to um, what we had covered before, just to get a little refresher real quick, we had moved into the chapter on uh, Tawbah um, in regards to, yeah, this is chapter, the chapter on Tawbah. Uh, Ayatollah Jawadi, in his book, he says that the first step, of course, is to remove obstacles for a person who wants to uh, embark on this journey of spiritual wayfaring. And I have said this again and again, I, you know, when we go through this book, it's uh, there's a lot of things that he will discuss that I feel is, at least for me, I'm nowhere close to even talking about these things. We were just going through this as motivation to know that there's a lot out there to achieve and so that we should at least try our best. But yeah, the first step is Tawbah in this book of his that is based on, now especially this chapter, he says is based on an Awsaf al-Ashraf of Khaja Nasiruddin al-Tusi. We talked about Tawbah, we talked about how there's different types of Tawbah. Tawbah, why would Tawbah be necessary? Because you get rid of obstacles when you want to journey. If the road is a bumpy road, then you're not going to get anywhere easily. So you want to get rid of the mawani, the obstacles first and foremost. But he went a little deeper after we spoke about this. He said that Tawbah, there are three types of Tawbah. The first one is Tawbatul Awam. The awam in Arabic, in Farsi, maybe in Urdu too, I don't know, means like the lay people. Usually you'll have awam opposite to ulama. Okay, awam means a person who's ammi. They are a normal person, you know, not a scholar. But if you remember, those of you who were here last week, I mean last year, um, Ayatollah Jawadi, he said something very nice. He said that awam in this book, in, uh, in Allah's books, even encompasses a scholar who might be sinning. So for Allah, it doesn't matter if you're a scholar or not. In Allah's eyes, if you're a sinner, you're a lay person. That's what we had there. He made it clear. And so he said the tawbah of the awam is the tawbah that you do from the sins. And this is something that we're all uh, accustomed to or aware of. 
right? I don't need to get into that too much. Then he moved on to Tawbatul Khawas, the special people. We talked about this as well. Tawbatul Khawas are those who have moved on from the wajib and haram. Alhamdulillah, they've reached the point where now for them it's more about mustahabbat and makruhat and even mubahat, those things that are permissible. And I talked about this as well and I explained how I don't think I'm there yet. Uh, inshallah, all of you are at that point. I'm not at that point uh, where I can worry about tawbatul khawas. Alright, so here if awam is not opposite to ulama, then here khawast won't mean ulama either. You can be totally illiterate, you can be a Bedouin, but you can be khawas. Right? And we have stories of some of these village people, for example, that have no clue how to read Quran. They do know one thing though, some of the harams and wajib they're aware of, they live up to that properly such that when a test comes up for them, they pass in flying colors, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them certain things. Certain, uh, let's say, spiritual uh, virtues that they will have, that all the scholars out there won't even have. So I, I, I like this perspective that you know, we have when it comes to Islam. Yes, you're a scholar, yes, you have ilm, yes, you have all of that. But in God's books, it's a little different. Yeah. So Tawbat al-Khawas is those who've moved on now from the wajib and haram, alhamdulillah. They've taken care of that and now it's time to take care of these things. So they will do Tawbah from what? From, uh, you know, not, not, not performing certain mustahabbat. They'll go a step further, he says. They'll go to the point where they will do Tawbah from Tark al-Awla even, doing that which is better. It'll reach a point where they do tawbah from certain mubahat even. Mubah means something that's not mustahab, that's not wajib, that's not makruh, that's not haram. They will stay away from certain mubah matters. Why? Because that matter might get in the way of a mustahab matter. And I've spoken about this a little bit. Sometimes there are certain things out there that are halal. But when you get engaged with those things, and engaged in those things, and those matters, it will at least have enough baggage to distract you from other things. That's like super important. At least I've seen in, uh, with great scholars, like for them, they're not going to waste their time on things that are going to get in the way of other things. Ayatollah Bahjad, he leaves his house for the masjid. Back when they were, when he didn't have anyone picking him up from his home to the masjid, his masjid was like, five, six minutes away from his home. So we would go, like this is like 20 years ago, I've told you this story before probably too, like you would go to his door, he comes out, I mean we would go to his door just to watch him walk to the masjid. And so he's walking to the masjid but he's just saying dhikr and, and reciting surah inna anzalna and other surahs on the way. He's making the most of his time. Walking is something mubah, right? But uh, yeah, that's not going to be something that's going to get in his way. So these are the khawas now. It reaches such a point. So this is where we ended. Those special servants of Allah, they've reached such a point. And if you remember also, there's one more thing here that I really like to share. That I remember, Ayatollah Misbah, he said this. Ayatollah Misbah Yazdi, <laughs> may Allah bless his soul. Last week, I mean last year, when we had our class, Ayatollah Misbah was alive. And we quoted him on this. Now that we're getting here together, He's passed away. You see that? This is the dunya <laughs> that we're in. So Ayatollah Misbah, he says that, that some people will reach a point 
where there is no more al-ahkam al-khamsa, five ahkam for them. It's only wajib and haram for them. Like even a mustahab might be wajib for them. A makruh for them might be haram. Once again, I'm saying these things, but people, brothers and sisters, we're probably not at that stage, but we're just going over these things just to, as motivation and to know that there's a lot more out there. Yeah, so that person will know when they've reached that point, by the way. Usually they will know that they've reached the point where things have changed a little for them. All right? But yeah, there's a lot of details here that we can talk about. Let's move on to what we wanted to talk about uh, that we never got to until COVID hit us and uh, now, alhamdulillah, we're back together again. And that is At-Tawbatul Akhas. Okay? <laughs> so if Tawbatul Khawas wasn't enough, there is a Tawba Akhas. Akhas means even more special. Right? How we say Allahu Akbar, Allah is the greatest. If you want to say that in Arabic, you put it in that template of Af'al. Okay? So Akhas here means that it is very khas, very special. Now, with Ayatollah Jawadi, the way he speaks of this tawbah, he speaks of it in a way that you feel that this belongs to al-insanul kamil. Right, that perfect human being, let's call him, or her. That al-insan al-kamil is the one that this tawbah is for them. But, Let's go through it and see how far we get, and then we can discuss whether it's only for insan al-kamil or if it's for more than that, or it can be for more than that person. All right, so, so far, tawbat al-awam, tawbat al-khawas has to do with jawarih. In Arabic, we say jawarih, means the one's physical body parts, with the do's and don'ts. One had to do with wajib and haram, the other had to do with even more than that, mustahab, makru, and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it has to do with our actions, with our amal, right? But this one, the Tawbatul Khawas, or Tawbatul Akhas, has to do with Jawanih. You know, in Dua Kumail, we say, uh, towards the end of Dua, Dua Kumail, do you remember which, uh, what the Arabic is for that? Jawarihi, Jawanihi. Washtud ala al Azimati, Jawanihi. Jawanih has to do with one's disposition, one's inside, one's mind, one's heart, one's soul, whatever you want to call it. One's resolve, maybe. And so, this, has, this is an internal thing now. It's not, it has nothing to do with the actions anymore. Okay? Although there will be a link between what goes on within us and what's happening around us outside. Okay? This is important. And that's how it will be relevant to us, this whole thing. The fact that uh, what he wants to talk about now, it has to do with stuff that happens around us, how it affects us inside and the way we see things, the way we remember things and so on. All right? So I want to share with you here, I might go, yeah, he gives an example when he starts. He says, look, he says sometimes the human being feels that uh, they're feeling down. There's dust and rust on their heart, for example. And so what they do is they'll go for a walk, a stroll in the park, get some fresh air, talk to somebody, you know. But in the end, that rust is going to still be there. It's just a bandage kind of... uh, approach and to, to fixing the problem. It's not really a solution to the problem. And so he, he says that, he, he cites a hadith by the Holy Prophet where he says that, إِنَّهُ لَيُغَانُ عَلَىٰ قَلْبِ وَإِنِّي لَأَسْتَغْفِرُ بِالنَّهَارِ سَبْعِينَ مَرَّةِ 
Layuranu, this verb, uh, has to do with clouds covering something, or any, any type of you know, layers upon layers and, and covering and stuff like that, okay? He says, look, the Holy Prophet says this in this hadith, uh, that you find in Usul al-Kafi and other books as well, that my heart gets covered or gets cloudy. So what do you do about it, O Prophet? Do you go for a stroll in the park or do you um, sit down with people? Of course he sits down with people, but is that the solution to your problem the, when, it, when, it, when it comes to the heart? He says, I do istighfar 70 times throughout the day to get rid of rust. Okay, so we need to talk about this. What kind of rust is this that we're talking about here with the Holy Prophet It's not... It's, I mean, uh, and, and right now, some might even be thinking to themselves, how dare, how dare you say that the Prophet uh, uh, you know, might have rust on it? Well, this is the hadith, and let's get into the explanation of this, and you'll see that it's not actually the case. Yeah, it's uh, something else. There's something else going on with the Holy Prophet but we can take inspiration from it. Um, so, the hadith... Um, if I want to explain it, I'm going to go through what Ayatollah Jawadi says. I want to read this paragraph and translate it so you see what he means here when he says that my heart gets rusty. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. He says that, Ayatollah Jawadi here, he says, he says, of course, Istighfar for the insan kamil, for that perfect human being, in reality is daf'a, not raf'a. Ayatul Jawad is known for messing, playing with words like this, okay? <laughs> He's always doing that. <laughs> so he says this istighfar, don't think that it's the normal istighfar that you know, we have. For us it's raf'a, for him it's daf'a. What does that mean? Raf means to remove something. When something is on something else, you remove it, you peel it off, okay? But with the Holy Prophet, it's not that something actually, that rust has stuck to him or their heart has actually been affected negatively or anything like that. For him to now do istighfar to remove. He explains here, he says, no, as a matter of fact, it's not daf, it's, ra it's not raf, it's daf. Daf means to repel something, to not let something even get close to you and stick to you to begin with. That's what he says. So he says, it's daf'a, not raf'a. He does istighfar so that what happens? So that the clouds don't even come so that they can get in the way of his vision. That's what he says. Not that he wants to get rid of clouds that have already fogged up his heart or something. No, that's not what it's all about. So what's going on here? We're talking about clouds, we're talking about darkness, things like that. What, 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 what is this exactly? This goes back to the Jawanih we talked about. He says, because having attention towards other than Allah, for example, towards the angels, or towards revelation, or towards prophethood itself is a hijab. For the Holy Prophet when the angels descend, if he is going to dedicate his attention even there, that for him is problematic. Is that actually taking place? Well, according to Ayatollah Jawadi, no, it's not taking place. But he's doing istighfar 
to make sure it doesn't take place. What does this mean? That means the Prophet is so engulfed in Tawheed, so engulfed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he won't be affected. But the reason why he won't be affected, one of the reasons why he won't be affected is because of his istighfar 70 times a day. Now, these, everything we're talking about right now, these are all subcategories or sub-discussions, if you may, of this whole idea and discussion of al-insan al-kamil. Some people might not believe in this. That's a different story. But we're just, we're just reading off of Ayatul al-Jawadi. Okay? So he goes on. So look, prophethood, revelation, angels, all of that. He says even this can be a hijab for him, for the Holy Prophet And he says according to the Marhum Sayyid Haydar al-Amuli, which is a very famous... Uh, individual, he says that if the prophets were to give attention to their maqam and rank of wilaya and their rank of nubuwa and risala and khilafa and all of these things, all of this would have been hijab. So he cites Sayyid Haydar al-Amuli as well for this. Why? Because, I'll read the Farsi too because the Farsi is nice. It says, Zira mahzara amn khuda juz shuhud u digari ra nemipazirat. Because the safe haven of Allah's presence yeah, does not accept anything and has, does not have the capacity of anything other than shuhud and witnessing of Allah and Allah's essence itself. That's it. There, nothing else is allowed there in this, in this uh, region, in this safe haven of Allah's presence. Nothing else is allowed. So I, I can, you can tell we're going pretty deep here, right? Um, and of course, this is, you know, he started his whole discussion with Al-Insan Al-Kamil. Alright. But that's not all, brothers and sisters. That's not all. He says, therefore, the istighfar of the prophets is to just repel certain thoughts and attention that might they might be subject to. So us as, us as uh, especially Shia, who will believe, mainstream believes that uh, the prophets were all ma'asum and that uh, they had a very high rank when it came to the tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When this whole concept and idea of isma, infallibility, not sinning against Allah comes and we talk about it in our theology, we say, that one of the main reasons why the Imams or the Prophets won't commit sins is why? Because of the magnitude of the Ma'rifah they have. Right? When you see fire, you don't go close to it. And not just fire, forget the fire, because Imam Ali in uh, Dua Kumil, what does he say? He doesn't care about the fire part, right? He cares about the distance from Allah, right? <laughs> so for them, it's not even about the fire, I would say, as much as it is about them being in love with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that they're never going to do anything that will make the beloved upset, right? Okay, so we'll say these things. So there's an explanation to their infallibility. We'll say it's because of their ma'rifah that they don't sin, not that they're forced not to sin. Well, if we're going to explain things like this, this is also one of the explanations that they will use, for example, sadaqah for certain things. They will use istighfar for the purpose of keeping these clouds away. Alright, because whether we like it or not, brothers and sisters, if you believe in that concept of Al-Haqiqatul Muhammadiyah, that great, whatever you want to call it, 
ruh or whatever it is that the Holy Prophet possesses, that is coming down into dunya at the end of the day. It's, it's going to be intertwined with dunya. Dunya is darkness, whether we like it or not. It is clouds of darkness, whether we like it or not. So if you're coming, if you're putting that filter on things, with that filter will come baggage at the end of the day. And the Prophet knows this, and so he's repelling this darkness and clouds with just the material realm of existence will bring with it uh, these problems. And so that's his way, one of the ways that he is going to take care of himself, istighfar. So where does that put me <laughs> as an individual who might sometimes feel good about himself or herself and say like, Alhamdulillah, we've reached the point where we're doing all the wajibat. There's no need for istighfar anymore. Baba, istighfar itself is, a, is, a, is an ibadah. I mean, it's something to do after Salatul Fajr, for example, or Salatul Maghrib or Isha, you know, after the day is done. You know, to do some istighfar, why not? The Holy Prophet's doing it. So, wow! Dhikrullah has these benefits and effects as well. And istighfar in particular has, certain, has these certain effects as well. And so it reminds me, and you've probably heard this story from me before as well, that famous, it's a very, very famous story of Alama Tabatabai where his teacher, Alama Qadi, had told him that, look, when you're doing these special uh, things that I'm, prescriptions that I'm giving you, if you see anything special, don't pay attention to it. Right? Don't pay attention to it. Keep up your dhikr. We're trying to get to like that deep tawheed here. Don't worry about this angel, that hurul ain, things like that. Don't pay attention to these things that have happened. And so it's a very famous story, or else I probably wouldn't be saying it. Um, you read it everywhere, you hear it everywhere from scholars. Allama Sayyid Muhammad Hussein Tahrani has it in his book or books, where Allama Tawatawai he says that, yeah, I was doing the, that special prescription that my ustad had given me. And yes, a huri came and tried to get my attention. And I remembered what our teacher had said. Now guys, I, you know, I've, I've said this before as well. This, uh, it's, not, it's not like he's staying away from haram. She's not, if she's your huri, she's your huri, okay? <laughs> right? So don't say like, oh, he, she's not mahram to him, so he didn't look because it's haram. No, this is beyond these things. And what the explanation of this is, I don't even know, okay? But he says, he says that she came and I remembered what my ustad had said. And so I didn't pay attention to the point where she left and she was heartbroken too. He says that. And uh, so he was upset that he broke her heart, but at the end of the day, we're after something else. Now where does this put us when we're trying to like find miracles that happen out there? Or something special or have a certain dream? These guys don't care about these things. They're like, where's Allah? That's where I'm at. That's all that matters. I don't care if I see a dream, I don't see a dream. This or that, this feeling, that experience, none of that. That's solid stuff, guys. Solid. We want to be solid. We want to move forward solid. Even if it takes 40 years. Even if I don't see anything special. Right? So this reminds you of that. These prophets, they're doing istighfar because there's a chance that something might go wrong. And they don't want their attention to go anywhere else. He is careful that this doesn't happen. And I think personally... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings us here, brings us into the dunya, where we are surrounded by kathra and multiplicity and all these different things around us that will take our attention. 
even if they are halal, even if they're halal, yeah. And so we're supposed to slowly, inshallah, as we grow and mature spiritually, slowly break away from these things. Yeah, we will live in this dunya. We will take pleasure in this dunya. But the attention and the heart should be elsewhere, eventually. You can't be 50 years old and your heart is still with the dunya. It can't. It has to slowly break away, right? Or else something's wrong. Or, I mean, once again, some people just want to make it to Jannah, that's fine, and I'm one of them. Uh, but there's a lot more to shoot for. Alright, there's one more point here that I also yeah, wanted to mention. Yeah, there was a verse that I forgot to cite when I was talking about about how the dunya itself, it just comes with this baggage. That's the verses 36 and 37 of Surah Nur, those famous verses. That Allah says that, look, there are some people out there, they're very special. And I want this. This is what I want. This is the goal. You're living in the dunya. You're with the people, but you're not with the people. You're among, uh, excuse me, you're amongst the people, but you're not with the people. Okay? And of course, this will have different degrees and grades. The verses that say, fi buyutin adin Allah and turfa wa yudhkara fi hasmu yusabbihu lahu fiha bil gudubi wal asal رجال لا تلهيهم تجارة ولا بيع عن ذكر الله وإقام الصلاة وإيتاء الزكاة. That there are some homes in which that Allah has willed that they and allowed that they be elevated, right? They be revered. Of course, there's hadith here that they ask the Holy Prophet, which homes are these talking about? If I remember correctly, the Prophet said these are the homes of the prophets. And then they asked, what about Ali and Fatima? He said that's part of the that list as well. Okay. So, why am I saying this part? Why am I even re referencing this hadith here? Because the verse goes on to say that in the, there are homes that Allah wants to be elevated. That within these homes, alright, day and night, or whatever you want to uh, translate Qudubi wal Asal means, uh, what do you want to translate it to? There are people within these homes who are doing tasbih of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who are those people? Rijalun. Rijal, what's the definition of rijal? Men, right? So someone might say, oh, is it talking about men only? No, it's irrelevant, right? If uh, I'm pretty sure that that home of Ali ibn Abi Talib is part of these homes, and so uh, Fatima Zahra, of course, is part of that home. And she is the candle and light of that home. But yeah, rijalun. People who... They're doing tasbih of Allah in these homes. So you're thinking to yourself, okay, these are people who have a home somewhere in some mountaintop. They don't have any access to civilization and, and, and any, any, anything like that. They are of the akhirah. They are people of the akhirah. They don't care about the dunya. It says, رِجَالٌ لَا تُلْهِهِمْ تِجَارَةٌ وَلَا بَيْعٌ عَن ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ These are people who, the normal everyday transactions and, and dealing with people does not get in, the way, in their way of remembering Allah and establishing prayer and to take care of uh, the charity and, and these things. Yeah, so, yeah, th th this is a, that's, the, that's the whole challenge, to live in this dunya among the people, uh, but to not be with the people in that sense where, yeah, your attention is like all the way there. Now, once again, I'm just mentioning these things. I don't in any way want to imply that I'm one of these people at all. We're just here together uh, to reflect a little bit, to remind ourselves that there's a lot to aim for, inshallah, in life. 
one or two more points before I before we end. Number one is that that's not all. If we were talking about daf and raf, there's one more categorization as well. Okay, and that is something that he mentions here. He says, "Look, when we talk about daf and repelling those clouds, that darkness of the dunya, of attention towards other than Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala." Uh, this is these clouds, these hujub, these veils. It can be the veils of light and darkness together. A veil is a veil at the end of the day, right? Okay. So you want to look at something. Have you, ever, have you ever been in this situation? You've probably all been in this situation where you're driving and the sun is at that perfect angle on the road, and it just blinds you. You just can't see anything. No matter what sunglasses you're wearing, no matter, you just have to change the angle of the car, and it just for some reason. Today the road is perfectly straight <laughs> and the sun is right in your eye, right? That's also a hijab. It blinds you from seeing the path, right? Ayatullah Jawadi here, he reminds everybody that look, we're talking, when we're talking, when we say that he would do istighfar to remove these veils, veil can be a veil of darkness and light. But then look, he, he goes a step further. He says, look, no, no, no. They are, they are, uh, pure of any veil of darkness. They don't have to worry about that part. So not only is it that it's not raf and removing something that's stuck to your heart, but it's not even that they're trying to keep away dark clouds. As I was saying, I kind of purposely started with dark clouds to make it to this point here, so that it can be emphasized more when it comes to this insan al-kamil, al-insan al-kamil. But rather, what is going on is, he says, the same way, raf removal of dark hijab, dark, hijabs of darkness, does, is not even applicable to them, right? Not only that, the daf of it for hijab, dark hijabs of darkness is not applicable to them. Not only raf, but not daf even, both. They don't have to remove veils of darkness. That's for sure. But they don't even have to try to repel veils of darkness from them because they are even higher than that. For them. They are doing istighfar, so we're concluding now. They are doing istighfar to make sure that veils of light don't cover them. And that's why, if you remember, when I was going through the paragraph that I was translating as I was going, what examples did he give? Are angels veils of light or darkness? They are veils of light. Prophethood, paying attention to wahi. Of course, you have to pay attention to wahi when it's come, coming down to you, but this is that special attention where the heart is just clinging to that thing, taking pleasure in that thing, you know, giving all of its attention to that thing. The examples he gave, actually, were all examples of hijabs of light, not darkness. So forget about sin, forget about paying attention to, uh, I don't know, dunya and the baggage that the dunya comes with. Right? But at the end of the day, revelation, all these things, those can be something that anything other than Allah for them is a sin, it seems. And that's why they have the tawbah and istighfar from it. Yeah. So now the question that needs to be answered, inshallah, I'm going to leave that for next time, is let's talk a little bit about these hujub and nur that we have also in that famous munajat of Sha'baniyyah, yeah, where you ask Allah to 
tear the veils of light. And that's the Imams asking for it, of course, because I, I, we still, I mean, I'm still in the veils of darkness, right? I, don't, I can't even see myself. That's how dark we are, or, or I am. So, but yeah, we have this concept in some of our du'as that, oh Allah, we want to tear the veils of light. So what are these t veils of light? Ayatollah Jawadi has some things to say. Imam Khomeini also has some things to say. He was very big on this, by the way. Like he was always, He's always talking about this. So inshallah for next week, um, if Allah gives us tawfiq, I don't want to use that word anymore next week, you know, because <laughs> last time I said next week, a year passed because of COVID. Um, but yeah, inshallah, inshallah next week, we're going to get into that. So finally, the last point that I want to make, because I said there's two more points left. One was this uh, veils of darkness versus veils of light. The last question that we need to talk about is, Ayatullah Jawadi started off with Al-Insan Al-Kamil, the perfect human being, and that all of this pertains to that person. But can it be the case that um, this also applies to non-Insan Al-Kamil, in the sense of the Holy Prophet and others that are like him? I personally, just based on what I've heard here and there, or read here and there, is that no, this is also possible for uh, normal people, non-ma'sumin in the in the uh, narrow sense of the term, which is the 14 ma'sumin. No, no. Of course, it'll be at a different degree and grade versus the ma'sumin. But all in all, no, you can achieve a level of this. I mean, these ulama, they're always talking about it. That yeah, that you know, we do istighfar after our salat because our salat's problematic. We didn't do the right job with the salat even. Yeah. So these are this is the life of of insan al kamil. Twenty four hours, it seems that they are careful. Um, so where does that put me, if I want to do tawbah from my sin? That's a given, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, so we'll continue with the veils of nur and dhulma next week. Walhamdulillah rabbil alamin. Any questions before we wrap up and end? It was a little deep today, inshallah you... Do we have a recording of the previous 13 sessions? Yes, yes, they're all online. Yeah, all the recordings are up. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, when we stopped doing this, because we could have done it online uh, last year when we went into lockdown, uh, we got a lot of messages and emails and stuff from across everywhere because it was on. we had put it up on the podcast channels. So people were messaging a lot, like, why is this not continuing and stuff? So there were, there were some obstacles, but alhamdulillah, those are all now gone, and, and so we're continuing. So we're live streaming it, we're also clubhousing it, <laughs> we're also going to be putting it on the podcast platforms as well, and we have this uh, session here, which, inshallah, is, uh, it's a very warm gathering that we used to have before as well, alhamdulillah. All right, alhamdulillah, rabbil alameen, wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, wa